Welcome to Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we're here to talk about the second episode of season two of Farscape. Yes, it's called Vetus Mortis, which means life and death, I guess. I mean, it doesn't actually really literally translate to that, but I assume that's what they were going for. It's the episode where a lady tries to have sex with Dargo and misses, and also Chiana gets stuck in a laundry pit orifice. Well, I, okay, so it's not an orifice that's designed for laundry, so maybe don't climb into it. Like, maybe don't climb into pits inside the living ship, but yes, that is what happens in this episode. In general, I feel like not climbing into orifices unless invited to is a bad idea. Yeah. Although, you know what, now that you say it, maybe maybe Moya actually did invite her to do that. Maybe she went to Pilot and said, where can I do laundry? And Pilot said, climb into this orifice. So, this episode... I'm assuming it's well-beloved by the fandom, right? No, I mean, it's not. And and the thing about it is, it just, it lifts right out. Uh, okay, it it doesn't further any ongoing plot. It doesn't really forward any relationship stuff, except possibly the Chiana and Dargo stuff. Although, I can tell you that on the commentary track for this episode on one of the DVDs, Gigi Edgley and Anthony Simcoe talk about how they had to do so much work trying to figure out why their characters were into each other since nothing had been established about that. God. (laughs) Also, speaking of things that had not been established, this episode can almost be seen to introduce some Luxon stuff, but it's not part of the show Bible. It's all just stuff they made up on the fly. And none of it comes back with one possible tiny exception that I'll mention when we get to it. Deathbed sex with old people? No, that doesn't come back again. No, well, I guess I'll say it now. Uh, the tattoos designating rank. Although oh, even that I, is... I feel like that was introduced earlier, wasn't it? Or did was that something you just told me? No, I think I just told you that. Yeah. In the, in the episode, we find out that the tattoo that Dargo has on his chin tentacle designates his rank in the military... And then later we're going to see that there's, like, a marriage tattoo. So it's... That's, like, his face junk, though. So, like, important life events are displayed through getting your junk tattooed. I mean, God, I don't... Luxon Society's weird. I don't... I don't... I don't know if that's that. I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not thrown by that concept, I guess. That's what I want to say. I'm not thrown by that concept. I just feel like there are lots of non-junk parts of your body where you could get tattoos that would probably be, a. Uh, well, the marriage tattoo doesn't happen on your tentacles, so. Yeah. I think that's arguably weirder then, that only the work-related stuff goes on your junk. Anyway, this is also the only time in the show that we're ever going to see a female Luxon on screen. Oh, that's right. I guess those, uh, those other people were like a cousin race. Yeah. Anyway, my point is, there's a lot of stuff that's introduced here that doesn't really go anywhere. It doesn't follow up on a lot of stuff that we care about. This is the very definition of a filler episode. I bet you're excited for us to get into it now. <laughs> this episode is directed by Tony Tilsey, mm-hmm. who we know he directed many, many previous episodes of this show. Yes. Including, and I'm just picking this one out, including Until the Blood Runs Clear, which I just point out because that is actually a thing that Luxons do that we see in this episode. We see the Until the Blood Runs Clear thing. Mm. Was that the one where they were, like, on Cowboy Planet? Yes. 
where it was like barely had anything to do with the plot, but they're like, we're gonna, we're just going to choose this one thing to name the episode after that has basically nothing to do with the plot. Yes, that's correct. Uh, this episode was written by Grant McAloon. Ooh, it's a fun name. Isn't it? He We haven't seen him before, and he only writes another couple of episodes. He writes the teleplay, but not the story for My Three Crichtons that we have coming up. <laughs> oh, God. And he writes one of the episodes of Liars, Guns, and Money, which is one of my favorite episodes this season. I'm very psyched to get to it. But that's about it. And his IMDb outside of Farscape isn't very... Uh, extensive. Yeah, isn't very extensive either, so... I, I mean, I guess it makes sense that a filler episode would be written by a guy who's not the main guy. A filler episode that doesn't really care about the Bible of the show would be an episode that just shows up. We were talking about something else, mm-hmm. but I was joking about how sometimes when you're reading fanfic, there will be a little note from the author at the beginning yes. that says, I haven't watched a lot of this show. I was just interested in this idea, so... I'm sorry if it's not canon compliant. Don't don't yell at me. I feel like that... I, there's nothing that's not canon compliant in this episode, but I almost feel like that note needs to be at the front. Like, I haven't watched a lot of episodes of this show. Oh, that dog episode of The Simpsons. That's what... Yeah, that's that what I was talking to. about, yeah. They need to stop doing episodes that take place in Homer's childhood. Oh, The Simpsons, not Farscape. Yes. Although it would be weird if Farscape did an episode that took place in Homer's childhood. That would. Although that there would is be. the Chuck Jones episode that we were, we'll get to eventually. Mm. It's just, like, I mean, I know one of the most hated episodes of The Simpsons, that 90s episode, oh. as far as this period. But there's about a 10-year stretch, because Homer's, what, let's say 37? Sure. Oof. Yeah, it's not fun to think about. I'm older than Homer now. Honestly, he varies in age from late 30s to early 40s. So in theory, you're not, but it depends on when. Sure. But we know he started dating Marge in high school, but we know Bart's 10. So there's about a 10-year period of their relationship we know basically nothing about. Well, the weird thing about that 90s episode is that The Simpsons was a cultural phenomenon in the 90s. Hmm. Should we just throw out here on the podcast our solution for fixing modern Simpsons? Just age up the characters already? Just do a time jump! Because you keep doing this weird thing where you're trying to do flashback episodes, and you're running out of time to flash back to, so nothing is canon compliant. Also... Clearly, the writers want to do, like, teenage stories with the kids. They're always dating people, which is not something you do when you're eight. Yeah, they're eight and ten. Just make them teenagers like you so clearly want to. Just do a time jump. And then you've got, like, another 30 years. Also, Nancy Cartwright's been doing the Bart voice for a while. And although not as rough as... God, poor Julie Kavner. Not as rough as poor Julie Kavner, but, like... Bart sounds older in newer episodes because Nancy Cartwright's voice is getting kind of rough. Like, she could theoretically pass as a teen Bart. Oh, yeah. I, I I would never advocate for replacing Bart's voice acting, even though he will grow from a child to a teenager, because that just, that's not right. She's been doing the thing for 30 years. God. Three decades. Also, alternatively, you could just stop making The Simpsons. <laughs> well, it's not... Let's not go off the rails here, I mean. It's hard because there are some episodes of Modern Simpsons that are actually really good. That one Megan Amran wrote, 
Yeah, the, that's a great episode. I love that episode. The one with the female Itchy and Scratchy. Yeah. yeah I love that episode. Or, like, the one where Bart makes friends with the troubled kid who's into hawking. I, I advocate that Homer's enemy and then Simpsons spinoff showcase. Which well, I mean, w- they're the, the ideal endpoints for The Simpsons. Right. Those those come right in a row at the end of which season? Are they at the end of 10? Eight, I think. Eight. Okay. So that should have been the end. Homer's enemy is perfect because Homer's enemy is, okay, here's a guy from the real world drawn into, no pun intended, hmm. the cartooniness of this world and he cannot survive it. And that is the joke. And then after that, Simpsons spinoff showcase. That's it. Perfect ending. Stop right there. And the weird thing is, there's so much more Simpsons after that than before that. There's over 20 years of Simpsons after that point. After, yeah, basically the perfect end point. It's kind of weird because uh, last week on our other podcast, we talked about how... uh, the episode we talked about is often held up as the best episode of Charmed. And, we and that dis- was the Morality Bites episode of Charmed. We were discussing it later, and I think we both thought of other episodes we like more. I mean, I get it, it's a lot stronger thematically than Charmed tends to be, yeah. but... But, like, with The Simpsons, when people say, like, Homer's Enemy is the best episode of The Simpsons, or what well, I think it's the, the best, best episode. It's I the think... best end point. Yeah. It is... The best end point for The Simpsons. I mean, I think we all agree the best episode of The Simpsons is Lisa's Wedding, right? God, yeah. Which, I mean, they, they do some more now, but the reticence to focus on female characters oh. in early... I mean, I know it's because Al Jean wouldn't let women into the writer's room because he had issues with women post-divorce because... But, like... But... Some of the strongest episodes of The Simpsons are focused on the female. Like, honestly, Moaning Lisa is probably head and shoulders the best episode of season one. Uh, What's the name of the episode with the Chanel suit? Oh, God, I don't remember. But that's also one of the best episodes of The Simpsons. And they had a female writer on that one. I mean, I I see a pattern. Yeah. But, uh, Farscape. Mm. We got old people sex to talk about. Well, I kind of want to throw this out there. Speaking of. Old people sex? No, not old people sex. Okay. Focusing on the female characters, which this episode does not. And I mean, that's fine. It's a Dargo-centric episode. But I really noticed when we were watching through it this time how little Aaron and Chiana and Zan have to do in this episode. Okay. And I think that the episode suffers for that. I want to... I'm going to wait until it comes up in the episode, but... There's an aspect to Chiana's character that feels very written by dudes. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about, and I think you're right. And also, there's... Erin feels like she's being written out of character in this episode, speaking of, like, canon compliance. But it's okay, because she only has, like, four lines! I was about to say, does she do anything in this episode? (laughs) Well, we'll talk about it. She has four lines, and I feel like two of them are out of character. God. Alright, so the episode opens with John and uh, Dargo and Zan entering, gosh, I don't know how you describe it, a matte painting? They're they're going into a matte painting from an 80s fantasy movie? Yeah, yeah, it's like a, it's a temple off in the mist. 
they have heard word on a commerce planet, and this is something I do like about the series, that they're just hitting commerce planets in between episodes to get the exposition so that we don't have to deal with it. I appreciate that. Yeah. It saves us the trouble. Anyway, on a commerce planet, they have heard that there is a Luxon on this planet. So they've all shown up to see the Luxon there. And they all put on, like, their best outfits. Like, they got dressed up, which... I find really charming. Mm. Like, Dargo obviously put on, like, a really fancy overcoat, and Zan put on this, like, big clunky gold necklace, and John's wearing his peacekeeper coat. Which could not say evil more if he tried. I mean, John, just think about what you're portraying when when you wear that, but whatever. Okay, I also feel like the mythology around Luxons is weird in this episode because they're going to see this old woman who's, I guess, a part of the religion or something? She's got magic powers, which does not feel like a... Because Luxons are like a warrior race. What, what What's what's this lady doing with magic powers? This is what I was going to talk about as they're introducing Luxon stuff that we don't see again, that we've never seen before, and that wasn't part of the original show Bible. Mm. They're in the waiting room, and this woman is being attended by an alien race that has, like, lizard faces and green eyes, but it's not, they're not Luxons. Hmm. I just want to throw that out there. Um, her hench person <laughs> tells them to wait, and while they're in the waiting room, Darga points out that one of the lamps is a Luxon lamp, so fingers crossed there's actually a Luxon here. It's a Luxon lamp that's used to ward off evil. Yeah. Weirdly here, I'm just going to throw this out. I have to assume the reason they were excited to find a Luxon is because Dargo needs a map to his homeworld. That's an ongoing thing. A map that he should be able to get from this woman at literally any point this episode. And yet he does not. She knows how to get home. She says she's nine years from home, so she knows where it is. She knows how to get there. He gets no map. There's no reason for him to have not gotten that map. Darko needs to keep his eye on the prize. You know what? It's this is it's, it's sex. Sex distracted him. That's what happened. This isn't a plot hole. It's just God, Dargo got distracted by sex and didn't get the map to his home world. To be fair, this is a pretty consistent character trait of Dargo. That's I mean, what that's, I'm saying. Not a plot hole. Yeah, it's how Farm Planet got him. Yeah. So they enter this woman's chamber. And she has magic powers, and, like, she's like, come closer, my pretties. Okay, before she reveals her magic powers, because she hasn't yet. Yes. She sees them enter, and she's like, ah, a Luxon, and a Delvian, and some other race, and John was there, too. (laughs) John, and I like, John is like, I'm a human, you haven't met us yet. And she's like, I don't care! I literally don't care about the humans! Honestly, I don't think she cares about the Delvians either. She, But, as much as I was just saying this isn't canon compliant, I do like that it remembered that Delvians and Luxons are close enough in location to each other in space that those two races know about each other. Honestly, wouldn't she think John was a peacekeeper? He's wearing peacekeeper clothes. He looks like a peacekeeper. So... This implies that she's been so far out that she hasn't met peacekeepers, and that doesn't make sense either. So I just praise something for being canon compliant, and then you're right, that that doesn't make any sense. 
Yeah, but she's like, I don't care about the Delvian or the human. I only care about Dargo's luxinness. Yes. His big, thick luxinness. So Dargo approaches her, and as he gets closer so that he can, you know, see her, she calls him, she refers to him as a general, which surprises Zan and John. Hmm. And they're like, what the hell is she talking about? She must be blind. She's like, yeah, but I can hear you guys. I'm physically right here. And you know what? I appreciate that. Shows don't do that enough. Like, on Gilmore Girls, Rory and Lorelai are, like, talking shit about the other people in Stars Hollow. when they're, like, a foot away all the time. And no one ever calls them out on that. So I, I appreciate her calling them out on it. I mean, there goes the baker with his tray, like always. <laughs> well, fuck you too, Belle. One of my favorite American dad jokes is Stan and someone, I think Roger, Stan and Roger, having this really loud, angry conversation about Francine. And then the screen pulls back just a little and she was standing right outside of the screen range. And she's like, you know, I can hear you when I'm not directly on screen, right? <laughs> yes. Anyway, Dargo comes closer and he's like, oh, shoot, I thought this was just some Luxon chick, but it is not. It's one of our super powerful magical priestesses. I have to hide my face and run away. Yeah, so apparently they're not just the warrior race. They've also got magic or something. And Well, we've established before that Dargo, like, doesn't trust magic. So on the one hand, it makes sense that Dargo would hide his face from, like, the magical priestess woman. But on the other hand, later on in the episode, we're going to learn that you know, serving this woman is the greatest honor Luxons can have, which doesn't make sense for a race that doesn't like magic, which we've established Luxons are. Yeah, I don't know what the deal is. Well, I mean, someone who wasn't super familiar with Farscape wrote this episode, so eh. yeah. apparently. Maybe he was a super fan and he just wanted to add his own canon into it. Oh, right. Like, uh, like the Sonic comics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not a Sonic the Hedgehog person. Like, I played a couple of the games as a kid. But there there was this article this person wrote about just the bizarrely complicated lore behind the Sonic comics that are apparently very popular and have been running since forever. And it's a really interesting, very long article about how basically everyone in Sonic canon is a different flavor of Jesus. And like... Well, I mean, I like the idea that somebody who is really interested in what does this mean about the world was given free reign to make up what this means about the world and it eclipsed the the property that the comics were supposedly tied into. I mean, the games are pretty simple, so it's not like they had a I lot I mean, of... the games are run fast, grab rings. Like, yeah. that's the game. And somehow I mean, they I know got, there's like, more to it. Yeah, mm. But, like, they're, like, over 30 years worth of... Like, continuing story comics based off of a very simple premise. Large man turns animals into robots. Animals try to stop him from turning animals into robots. Yeah. Through running. Tale as old as time. Tales as old as time. Oh! Okay, we're done here. Yeah, podcast over. So, anyway, the the old magic lady's like... Whose name is Neelam? Okay. All all names are made up. It's fine. Yes. Neelam is like, I am an old magic lady, but I'm going to die soon. And before I die, I have to do my death sex ritual with 
a Luxon. So Dargo, you are honor bound as the Luxon who has seen me to have sex with me before I die. And he's like, eh, okay. Okay, now, to be fair, they, they never really talk about this outwardly, but I do like this kind of implication here. This woman is nine years away from her homeworld. From She's nine years away from any other Luxon, and she's dying right now. So she needs a Luxon to attend her, and then fate brings her this other guy. What? Any pork in a storm. Now the podcast is over. <laughs> Sorry, go on. She needs a Luxon. <laughs> this guy is probably the only other Luxon within a decade of her. And he shows up at her door. That is fate. Like, I mean, I know it's, it's what the writers wrote, but it is fate. Yeah, yeah. So in order to, I don't know, test his freshness date, she needs to check... Dargo's seal, which she does by jamming her hand into his midsection. John's not overly thrilled about this. Since we have just rewatched season six of Buffy, I, I can't help but notice how much this reminds me of when Rack tastes Willow's magic by sticking his hand in her chest. Mm. Like, she's tasting his spirit. God, that whole... We, we can't get into it because we've barely talked about this episode and we're fairly far in, but... God, the magic addiction thing made no sense. Oh, I know. Uh, well, like, I get it. You came up with a metaphor you wanted to try, but like, it just never made any sense. Anyway, Neelam shoves her hand into Dargo's heart and is like, you are a fraud. Leave my sight. You're not exactly spoiled for choice, lady. I know, right? Also, that would be a good prank to play on Luxon's. To give them improper tattoos while they were sleeping. <laughs> yeah, okay. Haha, uh, uh-huh, you're an outcast from society now. Yeah, because, spoiler, it turns out that Dargo's tattoo that identifies him as a general is a lie. He is not, in fact, a general. Yeah, he explains to John and Zan a story we have never heard about him before, and I... I don't really know when, speaking of, like, when in his timeline is this, I don't know when in his timeline this story would even fit. But he was fighting, and his general was injured and was about to be captured, so he so he marked himself as the general so that he would be captured because he knew his general wouldn't survive interrogation, and then his battalion survived, and that was a heroic thing that he did, even though it involved lying. Which is interesting, because remember, we've had that issue with Dargo before. That Luxons aren't supposed to be able to lie, so... Well, they're able to, just, but remember, he refused to lie before to save the ship, but apparently he was able to, like, steal valor to save his general. And I would like to believe, instead of calling this out as not being compliant, I would like to think that this is retconning that very annoying trait of Dargo's, because that was an annoying trait. Mm-hmm. It's weird how it's not annoying when uh, with uh, Drax, but I guess that's because, uh, you know, Drax, we only have to deal with him in two-hour chunks in two different movies. Also, Drax isn't like, I refuse to lie even to save myself. Drax is like, I come from a race that doesn't really lie, so we don't understand metaphorical Lying. language. That's yeah. That's completely different. Also pretty different from how Drax is in the comics, but we can't get into that as a whole thing. Yeah, you know why? Because 
the comics weren't the basis of the movie. This TV show was the basis of the movie, and Drax is just Dargo. Yeah, the more we watch Farscape, the more I'm like, okay. I told you, right? (laughs) And, like, Mantis is basically half-face guy, right? Stark? Yeah. Huh. I have to think on that. I hadn't I hadn't thought about that connection. Anyway, Dargo's like, you know what? I'm gonna go explain myself to this woman and tell her that I had a very good reason to steal Valor. Yeah, he's he's really after that old lady sex. That old lady ushering into the afterlife sex. Yeah. So but he does. He goes in and he tells her, hey, this is the story. And she's like, I know, because I just read your heart, remember? We were just there. But I just needed to know that you would stand up to me and explain yourself. When you also get that from reading his heart. Yeah, right? What's the cutoff of stuff you learn from reading one's heart? I guess that's the cutoff. God. So she's like, you know, you have earned the privilege of porking me into the afterlife. Meanwhile, back on Moya... Chiana's doing laundry. Chiana is washing Dargo's clothes in Moya's amnexus fluid. Ah, gross. It's super strange. Like, okay, this is what I was talking about with Aaron, too. Because Aaron comes in and is like, here, clean my clothes, too. That's... Aaron doesn't act like that. And uh, Chiana's like, hey, I don't want to have sex with you, so I'm not going to clean your clothes. If you want me to clean your clothes, then do something sexy. And Aaron's like, no, I can just clean my own clothes. Everything Aaron does is sexy. That's true. Aaron's like, you're washing clothes. Just wash my clothes, too. But I I know that Aaron is... What is this? Reddit relationships? Oh, my God. Yes, she is acting like a guy in Reddit relationships right now. That is serious. But it, it, it... I shouldn't harp on this because these are the only lines Claudia Black has in the episode and we should probably just ignore it and move on since, as we've established, this is not a regular writer on the show. But that's not in character for Erin. For her to come in and demand someone else serve her? That's weird. It's weird. Well, it's all in service of Chiana's apparently fairly consistent character trait of not liking other women. Because she's like, I like Dargo, that's why I'm cleaning his clothes, but I don't like you. Or Zan. Uh, I mean, the Zan thing doesn't come up in this episode, but it is a consistent thing. Of course, Zan doesn't like her either. I know. But this is all women get to do in this episode, so we're going to cut away from that. Back to John and Dargo on the planet. And John's like, hey, um, just to see if you were worthy for the ceremony... She put her hand inside your body. So, is this safe? And Dargo's like, no, I could die from having old lady sex, but also it's necessary to get her to space warrior heaven or encodes her in their species genetic memory or something garbage like that. It actually just eases her journey into the next life, Zan tells us, so. (laughs) Okay. I mean, it's similar to Last Rites, though. So, I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't tell a Catholic who was dying that Last Rites were meaningless. No, but Last Rites don't often kill the priest. How bad is she at sex? Okay, so the reason it could kill you... And by the way, that's... Dargo is clear that it's unlikely that that will happen. <laughs> I would hope so. 
But the reason that it can kill you is because essentially your spirit is like journeying with her into the afterlife and then it returns to your body when she passes. And Dargo is basically like, yeah, this is an honor because she's a great priestess, so it's an honor that we, you know, receive as Luxons. And and it's an honor to be asked. And Zan's like, also, you get to see the afterlife. That's cool. Although Dargo doesn't seem to care about that bit, but. Yeah, he could say what's up to his dead wife. I mean, he can't because she's, you know, a peacekeeper. Anyway, John is against Dargo doing a thing that might kill him just to help a woman they've never met get into the afterlife. Hmm. I'm assuming that they can get there themselves. Like, it... Yeah, she'll, she'll go herself if she dies, but, you know, like Lost Rites, it, it eases her, her transition. Also, I'm sorry you're too lazy to get into the afterlife yourself. Also, we've mentioned, by the way, that Dargo gets too caught up having sex to get the map. But I want to point out that in the scene where he's helping her transition, he believes that she's going to die at the end of the transition, even though, spoiler, she doesn't. He should have gotten the map before then, because after that it would have been too late. (laughs) Maybe one of her servants could have helped him out. I mean, I guess. I mean, their asses disappear. I I mean, yeah, how how much are they going to want to help him after she's dead? (laughs) Anyway... Dargo goes back up to the ship so that he can grab all of his uh, Luxon tchotchkes to show off to her during her death ceremony. God. I do I do like this, though, because he runs into Aaron and she's like, what's going on? And he's like, I'll tell you later. Or I'll die and I won't. One or the other. I wonder if he's grabbing his masturbation knife. Uh, he almost certainly does. John didn't leave the planet with Dargo when he went to go get his stuff because uh, he wants to stay on the planet and chat with uh, this priestess. And be like, hey, uh, maybe don't kill my friend. And she's all like, um, maybe respect my culture and the fact that it's a goddamn miracle that Dargo even showed up here. You don't know what it's like to be separated from your people. So yeah, John's like, I just really think that, you know, maybe don't kill my friend so you have an easier... Like, this seems unnecessary. And she's like... First of all, you're disrespecting our culture, our culture, which is very important for this episode. And never again. And never again. And second, how dare you? I'm, for some reason, abandoned alone on this planet with servants. For some reason, despite being a very high-ranking priest in whatever religion Dargo's people have, I'm isolated and very far away from everyone. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Why is she nine years away from her people to begin with? Why are there no other Luxons around her? I feel like there's a backstory here that we don't ever get. Like... Oh, can can we put a pin in that? Yes. Okay. I'm pinning that for later. John's kind of an asshole this episode, but also... He just doesn't want Dargo to die. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> I know you don't care if Dargo lives or dies, but John does. Yeah, she talks about how lonely she is and blah, 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 isolation sucks, blah, blah, blah. You should be able to relate to this, John. I mean, that's that's the... That, that's the, the narrative. As is, she's just coincidentally tapping into his backstory. <laughs> Huge coincidence. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't know it. That was, like, human. So, on the ship, Dargo's gathering all his Luxon stuff, including his masturbation knife. Mm-hmm. 
And Rigel shows up and is like, hey, how about you try to sell that stuff to the woman since she's Lux and she'll probably want all your Lux and crap and then we can have some money. And then you can just take it after you sex her to death. Well, that's my thing, right? Like, why does Rigel think she's going to want to buy stuff right before she dies? Unless it's like an Egyptian pharaoh thing where you get buried with your stuff? Yeah, or uh, the prosperity gospel. God likes rich people better. Or well, God likes people with lots of stuff better. Okay, okay, never mind. Never mind. I, I talked to my... You're, you're right. We, we talked me into being okay with the logic of her buying his stuff moments before her death. Yeah. Okay, okay. And then you can just steal it back. That's not cool. None of this is cool. <laughs> anyway, Chiana comes in and is like, Hey, Rigel, shut up and respect Dargo's culture since apparently I'm in love with him now. <laughs> and I love you, I guess. And Dargo's like, Hey... I'm going to go do the ritual. She's like, it's not going to kill you, is it? He's like, oh, definitely not. Definitely not going to kill me. Don't even sweat it. She, he, as, as he's going down, he tasks her to stop Rigel from taking all of his stuff while he's having sex with some alien lady. I guess, eh, she's still an alien. I mean, they're the she's same. She's an alien to us. Yeah, they're the same species, but she doesn't live on the same planet as him. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, okay. So we cut to John... Just kind of sitting in the room with the torch that's supposed to shoo away evil things. And it kind of flickers a little bit. And it's like, oh my god, what's going on here? But, mm. I love how bored John looks in the waiting room. He's like, he's got this steely, determined, I'm not going to leave this room without Dargo look on his face. But also he's like, so clearly super bored. He's sitting in the next room while his friend has sex with someone. That's weird. Okay, now we sh- we should be fair. We keep saying having sex, but this isn't actual sex. This is uh... metaphor sex. But I w- for now, for now, it's metaphor sex. But let's be clear, Willow and Tara. This ain't. Uh, yeah. Like, oh look, the two people in heavy makeup are like kind of touching. Well, vaguely erotic music plays, and there's like candles and stuff, and. Everyone's saying a bunch of made-up crap words and... Eh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, but when Willow and Tara had their made-up crap words surrounded by uh, candles, it was romantic as hell. Well, also, um... Well, they had chemistry, too. Yeah. Also, Dargo floats... Instead of floating the... They float a rose, right? Oh, I was talking about when uh, Willow goes into the spirit realm... And she very, very clearly has an orgasm as Tara's surfing as her anchor on the mortal plane. Ah, yes. But, yes, all of the magic that they do in season four is, you know, a metaphor for sex. And, uh... Well, I just wanted to bring up that here they float Dargo's stupid sword gun. God. Dargo's sword gun floats above them. Okay, but this is this is the part where, where Luxon's stuff is comes into play. They do a thing where she cuts his hand and then cuts her hand so that they can join their blood. And we see that Dargo's blood is black, which is bad for Luxons. When they're bleeding black, it means that it's toxic. Yeah, you need to punch them until the blood runs clear. Yes. And we see in the waiting room, John keeps hearing these noises and he's like, okay, do I stop? Do I not stop? I feel like I need to stop them. Nope, nope. Gonna let him keep going. (laughs) And we see Chiana on the ship sensing... That something on the planet is wrong. 
Which, okay, so does just everyone have psychic powers now? Is that just how it goes? Everyone has psychic powers? Okay, no, they don't. They don't have psychic powers. Chiana does not have psychic powers. Dargo does not have psychic powers. They talked about this on the commentary track that I mentioned before. Hmm. They did this specifically because they were trying to establish Chiana and Dargo having some sort of connection. <laughs> so they decided that the best way to do that was to have... Chiana on Moya sensing that something was wrong with what Dargo was doing. So she's she's in the amnexus fluid. I don't know how long it takes to do laundry, but apparently a long time. Because she's still in the amnexus fluid and she senses that something on the planet is off. That honestly can't be the most efficient way to do laundry. Well, I mean they're they're on a ship. I don't I don't know. No, I mean like standing inside the thing that you're Oh, yeah, we should have mentioned that she's standing inside the Amnexus fluid. That'll be relevant. Yeah. So, Darko and old lady Malona, Navina. Nilan. Nilan. Nilam. Nilam. Nilam starts having, like, they're, they're more explicitly having sex now. She's like, oh my god, I feel such strength. I'm gonna try something fancy, which... I mean, to bring him out of the sex stuff, you definitely should discuss that beforehand. Yes. And, okay, let's be clear what happens here. She's having sex with Dargo, and she misses and hits Moya. She miss somehow, she, while having sex, she completely misses the guy she's having sex with and hits the ship he came in on. Okay, so she senses all of this strength inside of Dargo, so she's like, wait, instead of doing the ritual of passing, I should do the ritual of making myself young and hot again. But the reason she senses all this strength is because she's sensing it from Moya. Which, okay, first of all, let's, let's, on a couple of levels, why is Dargo a spiritual bridge to Moya? That doesn't make sense. Secondly, secondly, Aluxin needs to be the one to assist her. So the fact that Moya is, like, bigger or whatever shouldn't make her more powerful. She shouldn't be able to take any strength from Moya. Moya is a ship, not Aluxin. Unless there's something about Leviathans that I don't know. Or this lady. <laughs> or this lady. Oh, turns out she was secretly half Leviathan the whole time. Oh. I just... The premise of this episode is so stupid. It's so stupid. Anyway. God. Yeah, so John bursts the door down because he's like, oh my god, she's sex killing him. But nope, she's young. Totally different actress now. Totally different actress and everything's copacetic. Well, is it, though? Because up on Moya, Moya's systems are all, like, breaking down, and for some reason that includes her amnexus fluid freezing solid and trapping Chiata inside the little well thing. Wow. She must be really bad at sex. (laughs) Yeah, normally excess dryness is not what you want when, you know, engaging in sex. And Jenna's like, Aaron, help me. And Aaron's like, oh, you wouldn't do my laundry, so I'm going to let you die in one of Moya's orifices. So, yeah, that's that's, that's a real in-character moment for Aaron. It makes no sense. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, then back down on the planet, 
John's like, Dargo, I don't know what happened, but I'm going to get you out of here before she sucks your life force completely out. And Dargo's like, no, man, I feel super strong now. Yeah, somehow Dargo also got stronger via being the conduit. I think he sucked some of Moya's life out, too. But they think they've got the symbiotic thing going where they can just have sex and be immortal. Yeah, or, I mean, not immortal, but, you know, she's young again. Immortish. I mean, if they can become young every time they have sex again. I guess that does make you immortal, yeah. But that's not the thought, I mean. The thought is she's renewed. Anyway, then she's like, so now that you've made me young again, let's actually sex. And they just, like, start to sex, and John's like, I'm still here. And to quote that line from 30 Rock, it's like, you can stay or you can go, but this is happening. Oh, I I was going for the Futurama thing. You're going to need to get outside of a nine meter radius. Like, they seriously just start sexing, like, with John right there. And he's like, oh, okay, okay, I'm leaving. I'm leaving now. They don't care. They don't care. Yeah, she's really, uh... Honestly, for it feels kind of graphic for a TV show. I mean... Like, she's licking his nipple and they're showing it to us. Yeah, it's a little soft core for sci-fi. I don't know, but... She's like, ooh, look at my sexy young body. I want to have sex with you in my sexy young sex body. Sex! <laughs> There's literally like a wind machine blowing her, her hair tendrils back. Like, <laughs> it is ridiculous. I kind of want to put this to like an, I, I kind of want to put this scene to like an 80s power ballad. Oh, yeah, I was, I was thinking real, it, is it, is it total eclipse of the heart with the, yes! the, like, Bonnie Tyler, Bonnie Raitt, Bonnie whoever is running through, like, the school that's full of demonic choir boys who are all flying at her as she's in that windswept dress. Yes, that- Is that Total Eclipse of the Heart? That is Total Eclipse of the Heart, yes. Which, if you haven't seen the music video for Total Eclipse of the Heart, do it. It's so weird. It is- yeah. I mean, it's awesome, but it's so weird. So, uh, that's happening. Yeah. Back on the ship- Aaron is trying to free Chiana by hitting the amnexus fluid with a blunt oar. Like, what does she think is going to happen here? What's the best case scenario? Uh, I guess the best case scenario is she... I don't know. I I, I don't know. I I guess the best case scenario is like the top of the amnexus fluid cracks like ice. Yeah. And Zan, meanwhile, is trying to come up with like a chemical solvent to dissolve the solid amnexus fluid and they can't do that either and pilot's like hey i know it's kind of cute that chiana is stuck but also the hull is breaking apart okay so so this random lady tapping into moya's life force is enough to kill moya yeah apparently how old was she moya's like supposed to be the size of a city right and one lady getting like a couple decades shaved off is killing her? Yep. Okay, okay. okay. Also, hey, look, it's the return of something's wrong with the ship. We yeah, ha- I guess it is. Except in this case, we know exactly what's wrong with the ship. Uh, meanwhile, they call John, who's still on the planet, and they're like, can you and Dargo get back here because the ship is breaking apart? And John's like, uh, I can come back, but Dargo's getting revitalized. It's a super dirty joke. Uh, okay, so this is basically 
what, like the second, third worst episode of Buffy, right? Oh. Or fourth, maybe fourth or fifth, but. Okay, this is way better than that episode of Buffy where Riley and Buffy are in the frat house that makes them want to have sex all the time. Yeah, where the wild things are. Oh, right, because they took a name of an amazing book and made it a terrible episode. I forgot that. Also, just, just. No one ever had sex in that frat house before Riley and Buffy came on. Well, to be fair, before Riley and Buffy came on, it was... I mean, it still is the frat house that's secretly where the initiative live. So it would make sense that they'd have some kind of, like, really strict discipline until they got rid of Maggie Walsh. I fail to believe that nobody in the initiative was having sex. Also, there are, like, vampires and stuff in the basement. Does that make you think it's more or less likely there would be sex being had? I mean... If there's, like, two vampires in a cell together, they're either going to be fighting or having sex, right? Oh, I think they keep all the vampires in separate cells. Uh, I don't know. But my point is, really no ghosts manifested until Buffy and Riley started having sex. I guess no sex was as pure as Buffy and Riley's sex. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, anyway, my point is, this episode is way, way better than that episode of Buffy. I think there were too many ways in that. You're right, you're this right. This episode is better. Okay. <laughs> and even then, but that might just be because I like Buffy more. And there are some pretty solid Anya bits in it. Well, Anya's always the, the bright spot in any episode. Undead repressed crybabies. Uh, anyway, they do this weird... They, they have sex. She's all like, ooh, I'm gonna keep you here. And he's like, ooh, I vowed never to be taken prisoner again. That's been broken so many times since you vowed that. Well, at least, like, twice. Okay, but this is just sex talk. Yeah. He's like, I vowed that I'd never become prisoner, but I guess if it's prisoner in your space vagina, I'm okay with it. And she's like, I'm stroking your tentacles. I can give you everything you want. I can make you a real general. I can show you how to get home. Like... Why isn't this a discussion they had before the passing ceremony? Like, why why were they looking for a Luxon if it wasn't to look for a way home? I'm so confused. And he's like, could you help me find my kid? That was my motivation. I'm trying to find my kid. And she's like, anything's possible as long as you don't stop porking me anytime soon. And we thankfully cut away from the weird tentacle stroking. To Zan, who's trying to find a way to stop Moya from kerploding. Yep. Because, yep. no, this this is just that episode of Buffy. Moya's the frat house. Dargo and What's-Her-Bucket are Buffy and Riley. And I guess Zan is Anya? Or is John Anya? John is Anya. Does that mean... Because he's the outsider who's, like, saying the things that everyone is thinking. That makes Chiana Xander, then. Well... It, Remember okay. Xander, Xander gets trapped in the uh, in the tub by the ghosts who are trying to recreate the baptisms on him. Yeah, no, I I hate to I hate to saddle the amazing Chiana with that, but Chiana is absolutely Xander in this episode. She's even like the one in the ridiculous peril where she's stuck inside the Amnexus fluid. So she's having an argument with Rigel because. She thinks that Rigel's not showing Dargo proper respect or something. No, no, she's she's having an argument with Rigel because they want Rigel to go out and check on the hall because he's the one who's tiny. Ah. Okay, it's not a thing DRD should be doing. That's what Rigel said! 
And we do see the DRDs. I feel like we've been seeing them so much less recently, but we do see them. I mean, I think the idea is that they need someone with a with a higher processing to go check it out. And, and Rigel has higher processing than a DRD. I mean, theoretically. Also, don't forget the DRDs are tied to Moya. So anytime Moya starts to be in distress, the DRDs start working funky. Yeah. So Moya has space gas and starts... Well, so the outer hall was weakened and now the inner hall has gone out. So now there's there's explosive decompression. And she's supposed to be the size of a city. It feels like there should be lots of halls. Well, they, they say, well, there's only two halls, but they do say seal off this section, but it doesn't help because the the rift is like right there. It's so right there that Rigel gets sucked into the rift and he blocks it up like Winnie the Pooh <laughs> reaching into the honey tree or whatever happens in that cartoon. Yeah, I, I think he was stuck in Rabbit's Hole. Like, he, he went there for tea or something, and then he ate too much, and he got stuck on his way out. Oh, yeah, that sounds right to me. Maybe, or... It's it's in the book. It's one of the things from the cartoon that was in the books. Yeah, I'm, but my point is, <laughs> that's what's going on with Rigel right now. Yes, Rigel is stuck like Rabbit. Like Pooh. Pooh, yes, like Pooh. So... <laughs> Meanwhile, they're trying to figure out what's wrong with Moya, and uh, John's like, well, there's not a leak anymore, wah, 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 wah. Yeah, he tells Rigel, he's like, hey, just stay right there and don't move. Although I have to think that, like, his back half being exposed to the vacuum of space <laughs> would be its own issue. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure he'd be dead from that. Like, I don't know how his species biology works, but, like... I, I I just, I don't think being exposed to, like, having half your body exposed to the vacuum of space seems like it would be a negative. I mean, he's, like you said, he's an alien, so I guess it's fine. <laughs> oh, but yeah, Aaron, Aaron went out in her ship, and she comes back, and she's like, yeah, I found this piece from the edge of one of the holes, so we can analyze it, and, uh figure out what's going on and Rigel's all like hey all the air is being sucked out of me and I'm going to die and John's like can you just calm down please calm down so Dargo has brought his formerly old sex lady onto the ship now and, young sex lady and Shiana's like oh my god I can't believe you're cheating on me even though we're in no way in a relationship like she's immediately i guess jealous no yeah she's she's not acting like dargo's cheating on her she's doing the really annoying fictional woman can't stand any other woman who's near the guy that is her end game thing i hate it but anyway so and and, and in fact she does yell at dargo she's like you said she was old she's not old she's hot and she's like I can use my magic priest powers to fix all of your problems. And Zan, it, it, it hard cuts to Zan and Zan's like, I swear to God, if I hear someone else talking about having magic priest powers, I'm going to freaking lose it. Also, the whole ship starts, like, shaking. Yes. But yeah, no, Zan, poor Zan. Zan gets relegated, Chiana gets relegated, Aaron is given nothing to do except be mean and weird to Chiana for no reason. Like... What is going on with the women in this episode? So she tries, uh, the high priest sex lady tries a healing incantation and it just honks Moya off more. Yep, just makes Moya shake. 
She's like, I need to go meditate. Have you tried meditation? It fixes most things. God. Goopy over here. And Dargo comes in and he's like, this is from all the sex we had, isn't it? She's like, yeah, yeah, it turns out I missed and hit the ship, but I'm pretty sure I can fix it. Yes. Somehow when we were having soul sex, I missed you and hit the logical thing, the ship that was flying in outer space nowhere near where I was. Why? Why couldn't you just aim for a, what's it called? Dargo planet. Since apparently distance isn't an issue here, just aim out for somewhere in space and hopefully you'll hit a Luxon at some point. I mean, I guess, right? Uh, also, she points out, you know, the draining should have stopped mm-hmm. when she stopped the ritual and it didn't. So, um... She's getting younger and stronger all the time. Soon she's going to be a flying, super-powered fetus. But I don't know how she thinks she's going to fix it because, and Dargo doesn't know either, how she thinks she's going to fix it when she doesn't know what's wrong. But she's like, I have to go back to my planet. (laughs) I have to to go. My planet needs me. (laughs) Yeah, no, no. She's like, I have to go back to my chambers and consult the texts. The texts. God. Also, we find out that the process is faster the closer she is to Moya. Like, she touches the hull of the ship and, like, literally drains it of color. (sighs) So, really, Moya doesn't have any... I, mean, I, I How is Zan not a bigger part of this episode? Because this character, because Elam, as you said, is totally taking over what would be Zan's role. That's why. Hmm. And so in Zan's chemistry lab, Aaron shows up and is like, so it's Nilam, right? We agree that Nilam is the one who's doing all this crap. And Zan's like, we can't know that. We should assume good intentions. And Aaron's like... Okay, you you do you, you do you. I'm going to go talk to Pilot in his chamber because he just called me. So, Aaron heads over to Pilot's chamber and Pilot's like, I'm dying because Moya's having the life sucked out of her and I'm connected to Moya and that's her whole deal, but I don't know about that. Yeah, they're symbiotic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love, I love, for everything that's happening and for how much this episode is like, sidelining Aaron, I do love that Pilot is calling Aaron because they have that connection. And he's like, I don't know what you can do. I just need you here with me. That's great. I mean, right? That's great. There's even like a really beautiful long shot where we see Aaron standing in front of Pilot and we just see the two of them like and their connection. Hmm. And Aaron's like, well, I'm just going to punch Dargo until, uh, I'm going to punch him until... Until he makes until his lady he, stop doing this. I'm going to punch him until his lady barfs up Moya's life energy. Hey, you know what? They're, she's a warrior. And when you're a warrior, you know, when you're a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. In fact, as she's running through the tears to get to Dargo, she runs into John going in the opposite direction. And John's like, I think they're trying to get off the ship. And Aaron's like, I think she's doing this. And Aaron is like... I don't even know if killing her will fix Moya, but I'm not going to let her benefit from screwing up Moya. So that's that's where we are. I'm just going to shoot her. If we're all dying, I want to take out as many people as I can with us. Yeah. Then we see Aaron, like, she fires her... She comes She comes across Dargo and Nilam in the... Antechamber? In the loading dock. And she fires her gun at them, and we get a bullet time? 
Except it's a laser time? Yeah. Okay, so the 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 gun blast is heading towards Neelam, and Dargo's like, no, and he jumps in slow motion in front of it. But then Neelam uses her space powers to shield him from the blast. She causes the laser to split into two and go around him. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a pointless jumping thing. That, that, that was weird. That was a weird choice. Well, I mean, it shows that Dargo is willing to protect her. And then she, like, freezes them. She, like, puts them in t- inside a little ice prison and is like, it'll thaw out in a second, but we need to get out of here. <laughs> you have to come with me. The pods won't hold them for long, and the DRDs are coming to help. I do like... It, it kind of looks cheesy, but I like the effect when the DRD causes the pod to shatter. Yeah. It, it looks cheesy, and it's because the pod is obviously not there when the glass shatters. You know what it really reminds me of? What? The effect in Superman 2 when the... With the cellophane S? No, no, that's terrible. No, no, the effect when the Forbidden Zone, like, shatters so that the... So that Zod and crew get free. Mm. So they find out they've been in there for 15 minutes, which is more than enough time for Dargo to have gotten back down to the planet. And Nalam is trying to break the connection, but she can't. She's like, let's just get out of here. Let's just go. Who cares about those people? They're not important. We're important. Also, like, side note, it might fix things if I'm far away. Who knows? Let's just go. Dargo, it's just a ship. And he's like, I I mean, it's not. It's a living ship. It's a creature with thoughts and feelings and stuff. And also, my friends are up there. And she's like, hey, hey, your friends can eat me. She tells him, she's like, look, at the end of the day, I'm a magical priestess and we're better than Leviathan. So if a Leviathan has to die so I can live, maybe that's not the worst thing ever. And Dargo's like... Maybe you could just give some of the life force back. And she's like... I mean, to be fair, she has... I believe her that she's been trying and can't. Like... Hmm. But, I mean, she she talks about here. She's like, I can't lose this. I have youth and magical powers. And I don't know what the right thing is to do. And he's like, really? Really? You don't know what the right thing is to do in this situation? Can we, like, pause for a second and talk about how far Dargo has come from IET when he was like, yeah, I'm just gonna chop off bits of pilot, no problem there. Mm. (laughs) So, John comes down to the planet because he's gonna fix everything because he's the main character, even though he hasn't had anything to do this episode either, because it's been a Dargo fest from front to back. Mm. He's done a lot of very important standing around. It's true. So he's like, Dargo, we need to talk. And Dargo approaches him with his big stupid sword. Okay, Dargo approaches him with his sword drawn in a very misleading way. Because Dargo's like... This is the, this is an expression of contrition in my village. <laughs> well, I, I, to be fair, so John, like, pulls out his gun and then he, like, sets it down. And then Dargo, like, puts his sword down and is like, yeah, I was already gonna do whatever it takes to save Moya. We just had to posture, because that's that's the thing that we do. Bart, have you seen my chainsaw and hockey mask? Yeah. And you know what? I appreciate that Dargo's having a conflict here, where he's like, I want to save my friends. I'll do anything to save my friends. But this woman is an evil, and I, it's hard to blame her for what's happening. Like, I appreciate no, that- No, it's not. Really? Because I feel like there are no bad guys in this episode. 
Nalam didn't mean for this to happen. That's true. She didn't mean for it to happen, but, like, doesn't mean she didn't make it happen. I'm sure the Exxon guy didn't mean to crash that boat, but... Okay, but that was a thing that was inevitable, right? Like, it was inevitable that if you're going to be unsafe when you're transporting oil, eventually some of it's going to leak. It's not inevitable that she's going to miss while having sex. That makes no sense. How could she possibly have anticipated it? She can only drain a Luxon. How could she possibly have anticipated that she could only drain a Luxon and also apparently living ships? God, this, this episode is so stupid. I, I'm sorry for people who enjoyed this episode. I mean, you do you, but my word, this is the stupidest plot. I mean, it's one of those plots, I, as I said at the beginning, this episode lifts out. And it's one of those plots where the more you talk about it... The less sense... Like, it didn't bother me that much when we were watching it, but talking about it, it's like... Nothing happens, and the things that do happen are... This isn't a plot that withstands scrutiny. Mm. It, it does not withstand even the lightest of scrutiny. That's... That's the problem with this plot. Anyway, Dargo's like, I guess I have to go do the ritual of passing, because that's probably what's going to fix everything. Yeah, if if this lady dies, then I guess all of Moya's life juice will go back into Moya, so we're going to have the death sex instead of the life sex we switched to halfway through the last time we were having death sex. Also, I don't think it's enough that she just dies. I think she has to die during the ritual so I think she has to do the death sex thing. So we can't just throw her out the window. Exactly. And she's like, hey, I understand. This is what's got to happen. So thanks for doing me so good. Thanks thanks for all that hot sex before before my inevitable death. A sexing before dying. Yeah. Also, creepily, she's like, um, I don't want to die. Like, I accept that that's what has to happen and it's my time. But since I don't want to, you're going to have to just, like, you're, you're going to have to do, you're going to have to deal with the Janet protocol as you approach the button to re, as you approach the button to reset me. I'm definitely going to beg for my life, but just hit the button anyway. Oh, good. I'm glad we're adding an extra creepy element to this. Uh, just throw, it's, you know, like, like the Janet protocol from uh, The Good Place. Yes, but it has a sexual component, which makes it infinitely worse. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to identify that that was from The Good Place. I know you know that, but some of our listeners might not have watched The Good Place, which, by the way, it's all on Netflix now. If you haven't watched The Good Place, go watch The Good Place. Yeah. So they have a whole end of X3, you know, save me, kill me. Oh, yeah, it is that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And he knifes her with his masturbation knife, and she's like, uh... And the blood comes out dark. I, I, I forgot to mention earlier, I meant to mention it, but... Before, when they were doing the ritual, when she switched from doing the death ritual to the life ritual, the blood turned clear. Mm. But now the, the blood is dark. Except then, the, the, the droplet of blood that falls to the ground that is dark, instead of running clear to symbolize, like, she's moving on to the next stage or whatever, mm. it turns into a flash of light. Yep. And then she turns super old again. We switch out, we swap actresses out again. And he, he, he gives her a kiss before dying, and she dies. 
Is there another scene after this? Because I feel like God. I don't know. I don't know where you could go after that. It feels like this whole episode was like one scene. I don't. I how is this like a forty something minute episode? Well, nothing fa- happens. Okay. To be fair, though, I I want to give this episode some credit. Okay. A lot of times there are episodes where it doesn't feel like enough happens for 40 minutes and it feels like it drags. This episode doesn't feel like it drags, even though there is only one plot and when you talk about it, nothing happens. Yeah, it's true. Like when we were watching it, there are episodes like PK Tech Girl. Oh my where God. It feels I'm like. Maligning my dear PK Tech Girl. It feels like it goes on forever. And this wasn't one of those episodes. Yeah. You're right. There, you're right. There are episodes that. that do drag malinger but (laughs) overstay their welcome we're having the decompression thing chiana has been freed from the laundry pit Uh, rigel is apparently okay i know everyone was worried about that yeah the ship is working again Uh, aaron is she barfed up all of the life energy when she was dying so everything's cool now yeah aaron goes down to talk to pilot and we learn uh, this piece of information you know, we will keep, we learn that Leviathans only live for a couple of hundred years and pilots can live for thousands of years, but once they are connected to a Leviathan, when the Leviathan dies, they die. So that's like the sacrifice that pilots make. But they get to like see the universe and stuff, so. Yes, that's, that's what they do. And that's basically the episode. Yeah, okay, okay, wait, there's one more moment and I know this moment means nothing to you because you don't care about Dargo and you don't care about Dargo and John's relationship. But John goes into, like, the chamber because John's still on the planet. And Dargo's all, like, sad because, you know, Nilam just died. And John leans down and he puts his hand on Dargo's shoulder and he's like, couldn't have got a map. Like, seriously, would have taken, like, five seconds. Couldn't have gotten a map. Okay. What John actually says is he says, do you want to be alone? And Dargo says, yes, but not yet. And John is, like, comforting him because their relationship is growing. And that's where we end it. Yeah, so that was a nothing burger of an episode. But it is true when you're watching it, it kind of goes by really quickly. Like, it didn't drag or anything, so. Eh. Eh, there, there are worse episodes of Farscape. It's just, it's so disconnected from everything. Yeah, it kind of is. Well, let's do our segments, though. See if we have anything to talk about. Okay. So our first segment is A Distant Part of the Universe, which is what world building worked for you. <gasps> None of it. Okay. So- I mean, I guess I did kind of like the whole thing with pilots actually living a long time when they're not connected to Leviathans, but... Okay, that's... that's was cool. that going to be your thing? No, I was going to unstick that pin I put in and say... Kind of a, a reverse, a reverse distant part of the universe. Hmm. Um, I would have kind of been interested to know what the deal was with this magical priestess who's part of a race that doesn't seem like they would produce magical priestesses living a decade away from the rest of her people. Like, the lack of world building here is what I want. I want, I want the missing, missing reasons. Like, why is she, why is she in such a distant part of the universe? Yeah, like, I feel like there's a lot of questions that are raised that the episode really could have used some time exploring, because you're right, like, this is a lot of really specific 
background like how how she got to this particular point seems like it would be really interesting yeah but no we don't get that but that will bring us to our second segment strange alien creatures i did really like her design oh me too i love that they have we didn't talk about it but they have this like cage hat that her tentacles are contained in on the back of her head so that she essentially has this like intricate updo with her back tentacles i I think look, it looks really good. It looks really good. I kind of get why they didn't have female Luxons in the show again, because it all I, the whole time I was looking at it, I'm like, oh my god, her poor neck. Oh my god, yeah, that couldn't have been healthy for that actress's neck. Not or actresses. There were two of two women played that part. Hmm. They probably both had neck issues after doing this for a week. Yeah. And our final segment is just looking for a way home, which is what resonated with you in this episode. <laughs> Nothing. Really. Nope. Oh, for me, it was Aaron and Pilot, as always. The fact that... We've seen this scene before and better. And it always works for me. Yeah. If it worked for you, I don't want to... I don't want to... Yuck my yum. Yeah. But it just... It's the whole don't reference a better thing (laughs) in your worse thing. What? Like, like, don't spend all of barbed wire quoting uh, Casablanca. Yeah. In fact, just... Great reference, by the way. Yeah. Barbara basically just is a space remake of Casablanca. Which I don't think the comics were, but I, I don't know. I never read the comics. I wasn't into 90s bad girl. That was a that was a 90s bad girl comic, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I can't imagine the comics were just Casablanca, so it seems weird that that was what they went with for the movie, but... 90s were a weird time for comic book movies. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times they didn't really start adapting comics into like comic storylines until relatively recently yeah and i feel like a lot of indie comics in the 90s got adapted into really bizarre versions of themselves i'm thinking a lot of monkey bone right now which is very different from dark town yes all right so that'll about do it i guess that'll do it Our show is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of the supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, Javier, Benjamin, Kyle, and Kate. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people uh, find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode, or any episode of any television show, you should head over to our Facebook page, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter or at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. Mm-hmm.